Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Supermarcado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. And it's time once again for another installment of Favorites with Friends. Yay. We are joined by the lovely and talented Charlie McCarran. And handsome, too. You forgot that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys might know Charlie from the wonderful podcast, Composer Quest. He's also a composer in his own right, podcaster and friend uh, of the Mercado fam. So we're really excited to finally have Charlie on. So thanks, Charlie, for being with us today. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. I've been loving the podcast, guys. Oh, great. Oh, thanks, man. Super impressed that you guys have kept it up. And <laughs> so just, are we. No, <laughs> sometimes it's been it's been it's been tough here and there, but it's you know it, it's a joy. We we were privileged to meet Charlie last uh, fall, I believe. At mm-hmm. was it just Gamers Rhapsody? Most recent fall at Gamers Rhapsody, um, and you know, kind of we instantly hit it off, and you know, we went on his show, and we're like, you got to come on our show. I don't know why it took us this long, but here we are. Well, and something I want to mention: um, just last weekend, I had the privilege of attending uh, the Minkino film score festival that our brother marty participated in mm-hmm. and charlie you kind of were basically the showrunner for that do you want to talk a little bit about that experience and how you got involved with that yeah so minkino film score fest is this event uh where we combine filmmakers and composers they sign up and we pair them up randomly and then they make short films and original scores and then we have an orchestra that plays the scores at the the screening event it was so. really an incredible experience. I mean, your score was fantastic. I really enjoyed Marty's. But I was just impressed at the quality of all the films and all the scores. Like, it really... I was telling Carl before this, like, my my cynicism level just really dropped after <laughs> that experience. Because I'm just like, wow, there are so many talented people. And they're all kind of in the area. And That's what a great awesome. idea for an event like that in the way that it was actually able to come together. I'm looking forward to checking it out next year for sure. Yeah. Going forward. Well, guys, this is another installment and favorites with friends these episodes we bring in a friend of the show we have them choose a playlist of their favorite video game music Whew, it's way easy for us to, to do these episodes <laughs> so this is a playlist of charlie's favorite video game music for whatever reason some of it might be nostalgia some of it might be maybe a recent thing he got into uh we're going to talk about his experience with the games and obviously you know we'll share our two cents on the music as well let's get into it so what you guys have been listening to for the past couple of minutes was uh, Muda Kingdom from Super Mario Land for the Game Boy, and that was composed by Hirokazu Hiptanaka. A classic. So, yeah, why don't we start off just a little chat about uh, why did you bring in this track, Charlie? Yeah, well, this was the first game I ever owned, Super Mario Land. Wow. For Game Boy, the fat gray version. I oh, yeah. I kind of heard that as a common story. I think Emily Reese even said that like Super Mario Land might have been her first game. Yeah. And I, I always thought it was interesting, like, playing my friends' games, because I never owned a NES or SNES. Um, and I was like, oh, this is a very different kind of Mario than my game. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, where are the, uh, like, jumping bugs and, I don't <laughs> yeah. know, random enemies that When you jump on a sense. Koopa, it doesn't turn into a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what a delightful track. And one thing that I love about Mario Land, the soundtrack, is... It's such it's such different music than we heard from Hip Tanaka either before or after. He never really did anything quite like that, sure. and so it's really cool to hear his take on it because it is poppy and catchy, but it, it doesn't sound anything like, in my opinion, Koji Kondo. Yeah, it's really cool because it it is this kind of middle ground. I, when I think of Hip Tanaka, I think of a lot of. Um, 
I guess experimentation and there is a lot of rich kind of uh, emotional depth I think in a lot of his music particularly mm-hmm. I mean I'm such a big fan of you know Metroid and Kid Icarus sure um, but what's really cool about Super Mario Land is like I, I even if it doesn't exactly sound like Koji Kondo he's trying to get into the same type of like genre pastiche yeah. I guess that Koji was for the original Super Mario Brothers and so because of that there's a lot of Latin influence and there's a lot of just really really diatonic, colorful, cartoony harmony that is really so infectious. And I agree with you, Carl. It is kind of singular in his output. It was really interesting to see what Kazumi would do with the sequel and kind of in some ways go further (laughs) as far as the inspirations of Mario music. Right. I really love Um, Super Mario. So that's wonderful. So what we're going to do now, it looks like the next track on Charlie's playlist is another Game Boy tune. And it's another game that ends with land. This is Kirby's Dreamland. Charlie wanted to take a listen today to Castle Lololo. So why did you bring in this particular track? Uh, so this track was one that I listened later on, you know, after having not listened to the music for 15 or more years. Wow. And um, I realized like, wow, this this brings back like very distinct dark mood that I remembered from <laughs> sure. the, playing the game. You were um, a goth at the time. We should we should mention that. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I love the harmonies in it, and it's just kind of like an un- unexpected track. It's a wild track. Let's let's take a listen. I don't think we've ever played this on the podcast, so let's all take a listen to Castle Lololo from Kirby's Dreamland, composed by Jun Ishikawa. listening to Castle Lololo from Kirby's Dreamland for the Game Boy, composed by series composer Jun Ishikawa, and we were all just blown away, you know, listening to it this time, that it's so classic. Kirby, even from this first entry, he had such a clear idea of what he wanted to do with the music. I'm really impressed how jazzy it is and, like, fusion-y, and you're able to right. get those lush you know, major seventh chords with yeah. the Game Boy. It is something that would have been actually a lot harder on the NES. There's a little bit more uh, versatility right. that you can have with the Game Boy. Yeah. But yeah, this this almost out of anything from the the first game is very jazzy. It reminds me of his SNES stuff. I, yeah, I was totally feeling the same way. I think part of it is the melody emphasizing the major seventh and the ninth intervals, mm-hmm. and then even when those harmonies come in. Um, but also the chord progression is doing a lot of these kind of half step. I, I don't know if you'd call them modulation. You could almost think of it as maybe being in like the Phrygian mode or something. Um, But it's this very kind of jazzy type of chord movement that I really do associate with Nintendo. Yeah. Kind of these chords moving in half steps. And then even when it seems to kind of modulate or go into like a bridge section, then that chord progression is also doing this like half step descending and then ascending again. Well, I'm curious, Charlie, what is it about this track that really kind of resonated with you? Because I was expecting when I first saw... 
uh, your spreadsheet, I saw Kirby Dreamland. I was expecting yeah. like one of the more famous tunes from this. So I guess I don't know. What What are your thoughts on this track? Well, uh, I think it was actually last year that I, or no, a couple years ago, I tried arranging this Game Boy Kirby music for uh, Reed Trio, so mm. bassoon, clarinet, oboe. Oh, that uh, sounds perfect. Was, yeah, it was it was awesome. So I I took like each of my favorite Kirby's Dreamland. You could literally just have the bassoon going. Yeah. they were fun bassoon parts. Yeah. Actually. yeah. Um, and this one just stuck out stuck out to me. I actually gave the melody to the bassoon for oh, this nice. one. Oh, nice. And I just love how it's like kind of this like weird goes in different directions than you we would expect mm -hmm. right yeah it's I definitely unexpected agree. i remember the first time i heard this uh it's probably when we were preparing for our first kirby episode years ago because you never played this game right? no no i didn't ever play this game but a huge fan of the soundtracks to the series and yeah when i first heard this i was like whoa definitely not what i was expecting yeah out of anything in this first kirby's dreamland score this is definitely the most like experimental in some ways mm -hmm. track and it but reminds it's like, me it's of like nintendo later. experimental it still mm -hmm. feels part of that whole harmonic language and i also love the um the instrument settings that they get on the game boy and also to some degree on the nes and it feels kind of like there is I don't know the 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 blood or the DNA and the groundwork is there for what they ultimately would do mm. on uh, the SNES Kirby soundtracks because yeah. it sounds like some of their instrument choices were almost influenced by uh, the sounds that they created on the eight bit hardware. That's why I find it so fun when you listen to the SNES scores and they're sampling like right. chip sounds. And I don't know, it's one of the ways that it, that the whole series feels cohesive. All right, well, it kind of feels like we're going maybe chronologically in your video game history because we we we're are. now moving on to the last Game Boy title of the day. This is Pokemon Red and Blue, a little-known game, <laughs> uh, indie game. Uh, you brought in Battle versus Wild Pokemon. Yeah, I, I mean, any of the battle tracks could have worked, but I, I kind of forgot that, you know, they have, like, different arrangements of right it for how intense the battle is and also different totally different melodies at times like so a lot of these are just completely different pieces of music yeah um i, I in some ways i feel like Jinichi mizuda this is like his masterpiece i don't know if the original pokemon was ever topped in my opinion i think the soundtrack is, is awesome that's interesting i've never heard anyone you know make that point i just i don't know i was going back and listening to red and blue it's just so many classic melodies that this series has known for years it just comes from this game Let's yeah. take a listen to Battle versus Wild Pokemon. Classic. You guys are listening to Battle vs. Wild Pokemon from Red and Blue, composed by Janichi Masuda, and he really struck gold with this. Uh, it, it was very different from, if you listen to the previous works that he did, you know, like Pulseman and things like that, 
This is so different, um, and I don't know, I just think that this is a classic soundtrack. A lot of these themes were used in not only later games in the series, but even like the cartoon, you know, right. they, they use some of these melodies. And um, so for me, that was maybe the first place that I heard some of these melodies. So when I went back and listened to the Red and Blue soundtrack, I was very impressed with that one person was able to come up with all those. And that very chromatic kind of, you could almost imagine it as being like a violin. Yeah. It sounds like the Wicked Witch of the West. It's kind of Flight of the Bumblebee a little bit too. Sure. Uh, one thing that I think is so interesting about this Game Boy music is that there's no drums. It's a battle theme. There's no drums. Right. One reason that he probably did that is to save room for the sound effects of the battles. But... It still feels pretty exciting and epic here yeah. without any drums at all. <laughs> and again, we have this idea of like uh, half-step uh, harmonic motion. Kind of this one more so than the last one really sounds like it's in the uh, Phrygian mode. Sure. Charlie, do you yeah, have any other I, last thoughts about this one? Um, other than I'm realizing that I'm drawn to that like half-step right. thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just remember thinking like, this is the best Game Boy game that I've ever played. Because... Mm, yeah. And this this song, you know, at the time I was like, might have been thinking like, oh, it's kind of annoying that I hear this like constantly. Yeah. But out of any tracks, this one brings me back. To yeah, that, I mean, you battled for so many hours hearing this. And there's yeah. some really cool like harmonic implications that you know, I don't know if were necessarily super intentional, but almost moments of sounding polytonal where mm. there's like a, a melody that sounds like it's in a different major key while the kind of chromatic yeah. lines are implying almost this like octatonic scale thing. I think it's really one, cool. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Well, one reason why I like this track a lot is because it does feel kind of experimental and, and very daring. But it's right. so memorable and catchy. Like everyone around the world, like will be Especially, able to sing this. It's because of that B section. The mm-hmm. it's kind of Final Fantasy that that section. And I like that, that it, it kind of takes you on a journey. It's not like a uniform emotion from start to finish. You know, there's parts that are more triumphant, yeah. and there's parts that are more tense filled. And it's not that it's always going to line up with the player's experience in sure. that moment. But when it does, it kind of I don't know. We, I'm sure we all have those video game memories where it mm-hmm. feels like the, just the timing of the music, like it was literally scoring our experience. Well, it looks like for the playlist, we're moving into a really big block of N64 music. So I can only assume, was that the next system that you had growing that up? That was, yeah. It was uh, my two main systems that I loved. And uh, yeah, I was thinking, like, this N64, I still play it. And oh, yeah. of any money i've spent ever i think that 150 dollars i threw down on the n64 was like <laughs> money <the best>. well spent <laughs> absolutely and it still works the system still works and yeah the games hold up all right so we have some great music coming at you guys we're going to start off here for this little 64 block mario kart 64 composed by the wonderful kenta nagata this is koopa troopa beach uh i think this is a great pick because when i think of this game my time playing this game this is the melody that comes in my head right just you know having a, a fun time on the beach trying to get that secret uh shortcut yeah. uh, <laughs> all right l- let's take a listen to koopa troopa beach
You guys are listening to Koopa Troopa Beach from Mario Kart 64, composed by Kenta Nagata. This is this is just the best, I think, Mario Kart soundtrack of the whole series. Yeah. The melodies that Nagata composed are just so classic. They feel like classic Mario, but in some ways there's more of a tongue-in-cheek quality without it being zany and goofy and random. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's really kind of like, beautiful. It's like public domain, like, 50s elevator music here. You sure. Know? It's also, it kind of reminds me of music that could be on, like, a kid's show, like Rugrats or something. Sure. In terms of the musical ideas themselves, I mean, obviously this is going for more of, like, a tropical sound with the steel drums and everything, but just that basic progression, one harmonized to two, one to thirds two. Over yeah, all harmonized over the thirds, and then it's like, um... It, it's doing such a basic thing, which is just keeping this parallel third harmony. Yet, the great thing about music is sometimes some interesting byproducts can happen when you do the most basic thing as a mm-hmm. composer or performer, which is that you get these kind of, you know, seventh and ninth moments with the harmony mm-hmm. that you wouldn't have. So if you were actually trying to stick with, like, just chord tones, you would need a more complicated and intricate harmony line and that's just sort of like the beauty of kind of diatonic pop music well we we all have our memories of playing mario kart 64 and and playing kuba trooper beach but charlie what what are your memories of this like why'd you bring this in today well like you said i would i i just think this is one of the best and most iconic and i'm kind of a sucker for like island music Mm -hmm. in video games just anything beach related or water related. you know what whatever. i just beat last night uh i replayed all of mario sunshine i do and so there was game. a lot of beach island music in that game nice well, what's fun about this track and something that i really like it's like every single indivisible aspect of it is really memorable and catchy mm-hmm. like just the dun 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 yep. dun 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 yep. dun like that's Bass great the melody great. is great yeah percussion and then even that sort of string counter melody yeah you know, it's, it's a perfect lovely. backdrop to the frustration you're going to feel when you're trying to get up that ramp to the shortcut and you <laughs> fail. <laughs> we were talking while we were listening to it that that whole thing about the, the shortcut in the Koopa Troopa Beach, it, it almost only worked because the controls were so imprecise that it was really hard to execute and like in a modern mario kart game the controls are so much tighter so that like you wouldn't really have to struggle as much to yeah the controls are so loose in mario kart 64 (laughs) but that's all we knew at the time I also love that basically the the racers are just like 2D sprites that are like being animated <laughs> cardboard. You, while you're moving pieces in of the cardboard yeah third dimension again it was all we knew it was the best thing we'd ever seen and yeah I still go back to Mario Kart 64 it's I mean, a blast the music's so great unbeatable so the next track on Charlie's playlist is from Super Mario 64 and it's probably the last piece of music I would expect <laughs> when I when I see that. So what did you bring in today from Super Mario 64? Um, so I brought in the music from the infinite stairs that you're trying to get up to Bowser. Mm, and, interesting choice. Uh, yeah, it's not my favorite piece of music, but I brought it in because um, it has kind of a cool trick. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of the shepherd tone illusion. Yeah, yeah. We talked about this when we did, I think, our Koji Kondo episode mm-hmm. years and years ago. It's insane. Yeah. So the shepherd tone illusion is kind of like the barber pole effect in music where mm-hmm. it just keeps going up and mm-hmm. the, the higher notes drop out, the lower notes come in, mm-hmm. and it feels like it's going up forever, but... Because right. you can never actually pinpoint a seam because yeah. there is no seam because it's a slow fade and then a slow increase and it is perpetual. And I, as a child playing this, there was no way of, I wasn't, ooh, that's interesting. He's doing that effect. Right. It's just, 
you go up and you're like, wow, it's like it really is I think endless. There's some other instances where I, I believe in Majora's Mask, uh, Kondo does something like this, but mm. I can't think of the specific. Anyways, yeah, I I love that effect. I like describing it as like a barber pole. I think that's that's totally captures the effect of it because part of it also has to do with the dynamics. It's like as the note, um, as the melody line ascends and gets higher and higher, it gets more and more quiet. Mm -hmm. And yet uh, the lower octave of that same line starts off kind of quiet. And so it yeah, it is that moment where you can't quite pinpoint when one starts and one ends. Let's take a listen to Endless Stairs from Super Mario 64, composed by Koji Kondo. This is a piece that can drive you mad. <laughs> this is Endless Stairs from Super Mario 64. It's kind of brilliant. It is brilliant. In addition to the idea of, of doing that endless uh, effect, the note choice yeah, is it's just great. It really has ridiculous. a lot of character. If it was just... You know, it would get so tiresome. But I love that he kind of truncates the rhythm and makes it like really choppy and when that comes in it's it's like an odd number of measures too and so it's not something you can really ever expect when it's going to happen like you really have to like break this down and listen to it many times to kind of get where the groove is of this and also the the string kind of cluster chords that he's playing Mm -hmm. they definitely it's like if you were to isolate those alone in that little progression you could definitely say oh this is the composer of star fox 64 (laughs) and ocarina of time and majora's mask it's like you hear that depth of harmony that a lot of people just kind of forget is actually in the super mario Mm -hmm. brothers series but he does some audacious stuff and i mean not just in this game but you know mario 3 has multiple multiple atonal pieces. I mean, even going back to the original underground theme, right. it's kind of hard to identify a key center there. Yeah, I mean, like the Mario 3 Fortress is like a like a 12 has a tone. tone. Has a tone row. <laughs> it's like, the... what? No one talks about that. But yeah, this what a what well, an interesting pick. Thanks for bringing this in, man. Sure. <laughs> has Koji Kondo ever talked about that? I, I haven't like, think so. found him he... ever really talking about that. But recently, um, there's this great... Oh, I'm forgetting the name now. I'll have to tell you guys about this uh, so that you can all donate to this man's Patreon. But basically, he finds these old Japanese articles and interviews and does translations of them. So there have been some um, old interviews with Koji Kondo that were conducted in the 90s. And they're the mo- and it's like the most musically detailed interviews he's ever done. Like he talks about theory and the kind of open spread voicings that he does on the NES, you know, because of like the harmonic series. It's like things that he's, I've never heard him talk about. Um, so hopefully more things like that will uh, become we available. We should uh, maybe really read some about excerpts that. from that in, in a future episode and maybe yeah. plug that guy's Patreon. I was kind of going insane <laughs> when I was finding that <laughs> And stuff. then you listen to this and you went even more insane. Yeah. Uh, all right, now let's move on to a game that Charlie brought in two pieces of music from. This is... Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. So also for the 64 and also composed by Koji Kondo. We were talking about this game uh, the other night um, and we were saying that this might have been the project that kind of 
exhausted Koji Kondo because right. it, it was almost really the beginning the last of the end because it was like his magnum project. Opus. Yeah, mm. and so much music that he had to compose. Um, so what did you bring in uh, today? Looks like we're starting out with uh, a very relaxing piece yeah. of music. The Zora's Domain. Um, like I said, I'm kind of a sucker for the water music. Um, <laughs> just, uh, I think this was one of the moments where it's like, wow, I just want to stand in this place while I'm playing. Mm-hmm. And right never leave because (laughs) you know what's interesting is you know what this piece actually really reminds me of is some of the melodies in super mario sunshine am i Mm. alone in that you know what it actually really reminds me of the new super mario brothers theme Mm. also on guitar there's like there's some kind of similar to me when i when i'm in noki bay i'm like oh man this is like sorry reminds me of zora's domain all right let's take a listen to zora's domain from ocarina of time listening to Zoro's Domain from Ocarina of Time composed by the amazing Koji Kondo um, yeah this this I don't know but for some reason now I can't not hear Mario Sunshine if I just <laughs> I'm really for some reason hearing a lot of similarities to the the musical tone of that game but yeah let, let's talk a little bit about um, maybe why why this melody has has stayed with you over the years and maybe more than others yeah I think for me, it's like so tied to the sounds in the piece. Mm. I mean, the, the harmonies and weird kind of melody uh, is there, but I, I think it's the, this combination of like the steel drums, the guitar. That's like, mm-hmm. why? When have I ever heard <laughs> this in a video game sure. together? Um, and I think maybe you guys were talking about this in your Gamers Rhapsody talk about like how the Mario world was kind of like well what do we do for sounds in this game right and it was kind of the idea is like branching out into every instrument right it's almost like it's like john williams doing the cantina band where it's just like what is the alien version of jazz music so we'll have you know steel drum and synth bass and saxophone and like that's mm-hmm. what music sounds like in space it's like with video games is what weird that's what it sounds like in dinosaur land is that what you're saying yeah <laughs> um no that that's a, that's a great parallel um yeah this is such a beautiful piece i will admit that 
when I first started to listen to Ocarina of Time like years years ago, uh, this was not like a classic for me. This was not like an immediate hit. This is I, one that really I had to kind of understand what's wrong with grow, you. Grow okay. on me. I, I get that we're related, and I have to love you like I'm duty. No, bound, I think I think there's a lot of people that would that would agree with oh, that. Oh yeah, I mean, it's, lots of people. It's it's one that I think grows on you more than you know more than like some of the the earlier themes like Lost Woods or you know the village themes. I, it's it's definitely not as immediately memorable. I think there's something great about what Kondo does here in terms of like score, storyteller, what what he makes the player feel is it really captures kind of the utopian quality of Zora's domain and that when you're listening to this piece of music you're kind of not really inspired to take action or do anything. It's not mysterious, it's not haunting. It, it's so tranquil that you almost just want to stay there and kind of delight in the scenery, which is actually perfect for its location because it makes you want to look around and talk to all these people. And, you know, it, it, so much of the music of the game is really kind of tense or is mysterious and is, is kind of pulling you subconsciously to take certain actions. But the Zora's Domain music almost makes you want to do nothing. You know, it's just <laughs> so peaceful and beautiful. For sure. All right. Well, let's move on to the second track that Charlie brought in from Ocarina of Time. Uh, this is also very oddly serene and peaceful, but also kind of creepy. This is the forest, theme. <laughs> the forest <laughs> temple. Let's take a listen. You guys are listening to Forest Temple from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. I love this era of Koji Kondo, you know, on the 64, especially when he's doing stuff, you know, ambient kind of atmospheric music like this. Uh, you know, something like Hazy Maze Cave is another favorite right. of mine um, where he, he kind of develops so much atmosphere. Uh, I don't know why, but to me, there, there is, in addition to it being a little bit on edge and creepy, there's something that's relaxing about this piece of music. Yeah, I think part of it, Carl, is you, you don't have like the, um, the, the visual dread. association of this, because <laughs> there is actually a juxtaposition. That line it's like, it's deceptively happy and major and like it's a really kind of creepy dungeon. In some of those sounds like they're just really uncanny and like it's it's deeply kind of disturbing and so hearing it is like yeah the juxtaposition is is very effective so so what are your memories of of this piece of music charlie uh well my yeah my main memories are being creeped out by this more than anything it's the most unsettling music i've heard in yeah possibly in all of n64 (laughs) music but i think it's that like like you're saying those 
weird like voice sounds, like things. I don't even know what they are they are they sound like the monkey samples from Donkey Kong Country <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're just they're just out of tune enough that it's right, like right. puts you on edge um, and, and the chords that have that like mystery in, to it yeah that fading in and out mm-hmm. just gives you this feeling of like there's a ghost like coming up behind you I, I mean know. Koji wrote some creepy music on the 64. Yeah. If you think about even that that 64, that Mario 64 track and, you know, yeah, he's, I mean, wow. Yeah, he, he, the, he like got the out Game there. Over music from uh, Star Fox 64 mm-hmm. is really creepy. Yeah, and mm-hmm. definitely some creepy stuff in Majora's Mask, too. All right, let's move on. We have a few more 64 games today that Charlie wants to talk about. We're now going to move on to Jet Force Gemini. Oh, I love this game. And this soundtrack was composed by... Primarily Robin Beanland uh, and Graham Norgate also composed some tracks for it as well. So what are your experiences with Jet Force Gemini? Uh, Jet Force was one of those games that was like, it didn't get as popular maybe as it could have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember thinking like, wow, this game is feels so vast. Mm-hmm. And the music too was really the first like epic orchestral scores that I can remember. And this one in particular, sec- from Sekmet, the mm-hmm. level, um, it kind of, at the time, I remember as- associating this piece of music with when you're walking into this huge epic area. Um, and it's kind of funny because I don't think it holds up quite as well anymore now <laughs> that I hear it with the the MIDI orchestra. But, but you got to use your imagination. I must feel yeah. that way about the game where it was really impressive for the time. Like, it almost looks like a GameCube game. Like, it, it, it looks really nice. It controls pretty nice. <laughs> okay. But going back to it, it definitely, you you miss kind of That's a, what I a feel with, a, with a lot of the, the, not just rare games, but, you know, a lot of these 64 games is you go back to them and they're kind of hard to play and get yeah. through. But at the time, it was incredibly impressive. Let's take a listen to Sekmet from Jet Force Gemini. guys were listening to Sekmet from Jet Force Gemini, composed by Robin Beanland, most likely. Graham Norgate also worked on this score. Yeah, I, I would say for the time on the 64, this sounds pretty dang good. I mean, the, the instrument choice and the choice to, to have this piece be so driven by the low drums and the timpani and like that low trombone and stuff, those sound really good, you know, in, in comparison to a lot of 64 sample stuff. Um, it's interesting, the strings have like a general MIDI sound, but that low, like, bass trombone stab sounds like like an actual sample yeah some yeah. of that stuff sounds and i think the timpani sounds pretty good too the percussion sounds quite good but yeah it's um what what does this remind you of as far as like the context of other maybe games or film music or yeah music? well i was trying to think 
of comparable tracks from the N64, and I couldn't really think of anything that has that. Maybe like the Goldeneye Perfect Dark type, mm, but right. this seems to have like pure orchestral sounds right. versus those. It's not like synthy so, or... Yeah, it, it's really reminiscent of more drums. like modern film music yeah. in, in a way that a lot of 64 music was not. Yeah, which... Like, I think this kind of style is a little bit actually overdone nowadays. Right. Oh, yeah. Just post the Hans Zimmer era of, right. like, you know, this, like, epic brass. Right. Hits. Very kind of driving tribal And the drums. sort of, like, yeah, triplet subdivision thing. It almost starts to sound a little bit like Gladiator or something. Well, thanks for bringing that in. I don't know. Have we played a Jet Force Gemini track? Maybe one. We have. I played the main theme on mm-hmm. a show and tell years ago. Okay. So that's the second Jet Force Gemini track of the podcast history. All right. Now we're going to move on to something a lot more delightful and bubbly. This is from Banjo-Tooie, composed by Grant Kirkhope. It looks like you brought in Cloud Cuckoo Land. Yeah. So this is another one, kind of like the Endless Stairs, where it's maybe not my absolute favorite mm-hmm. from the Banjo-Kazooie series, but... Uh, this one is just impressive to me because I, I think of Grant Kirkhope as like his style being that he can combine all these crazy chord progressions and it still somehow sounds good. Mm-hmm. And this one, I feel like he probably maybe challenged himself to see how many different chords he could fit in like five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a listen to Cloud Cuckoo Land from Banjo Tooie. There's a couple things that I brought to my brought to mind listening to it this time. This is Cloud Cuckoo Land from Banjo Tooie. Reminds me of LucasArts Adventure Games. In some ways, the music kind of is reminiscent of like that '90s kind of Day of the Tentacle kind of vibe a little bit. They There's, also went for that kind of like I don't know Danny Elfman, mm-hmm. Bernard Herrmann, Tritone. Absolutely, thing. yeah. And another thing that that I'm hearing now listening to it is that. A lot of the banjo music sounds so like military Americana, like old, oh, old kind of like Civil War era, like Americana music, sure. which is so weird that it comes from this British composer. I mean, very harmonically indifferent, but I totally mm-hmm. get what you're saying. There's like this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. something we play on a flute and an old snare drum. Right. Yeah. Wow. You know, I never made that association, but I, I think. 
th there is a lot of crossover between some of those things, like a lot of military march music mm -hmm. is the origins of what we think of a lot of like carnival music. Like exactly. when we did that um, musical cliches episode, well, yeah, that, we talked about that. Dun, 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 that was dun, a military dun, dun, march. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. and, and so you I would be interested to actually that. talk about Grant uh, about that because I don't think anyone's ever really addressed that. Part of me wonders if it's, uh, especially with Grant, and he's just so humble in how he talks about his music, but mm -hmm. I wonder if that's almost just like an intuitive response. Sure. Again, there is this element of like uh, cultural pastiche that yes. he's evoking there, and I think it's just kind of like, uh, for whatever reason, those are his instincts. But yeah, the, the the opening of this track had this crazy wild chord progression. It was like this circle of fifths kind of thing, and then of course we have to go into that little uh, tri Tony chord moment. Classic great. What a treat. Anything else uh, about your memories with the series? Other than, like, these melodies got stuck in my head probably more easily than <laughs> anything else. Um, yeah. Sometimes, like, very frustratingly so. Yeah. Like, oh. You know, I love that stuff. You know, it's so, it's funny. So often, like, people will tell me, like, oh, this moment in your music sounds like Banjo-Kazooie. And I'm like, that's so hmm. awesome. I really think... <laughs> Grant Kirkhope has had like a huge impact on like a certain generation of kids to yeah. associate certain types of harmonic moments that it's like he was getting from, you know, film music yeah. and television and all these other sources. But to a certain generation, it's like they're not really aware of that reference. So to them, that harmonic movement, let's say, just Kirkhope. sounds like Banjo-Kazooie. That's yeah. really interesting. All right, so we're going to move on to it looks like the last N64 game on the playlist today. This is from Space Station Silicon Valley. Tell us a little bit about your time with this game. I don't think I've ever okay. played this game before. Yeah, this this one is one of those weird games uh, that was from the UK, and like I've never met anyone else who's owned it or uh, <laughs> barely played it. I think I may have heard of it, but I don't really know anything <laughs> about it. Well, it, it's worth checking out. It's this weird game that your uh, little like chip that has little legs like a caterpillar, and you can you crash land into this um, kind of zoo sort of thing with all these weird <laughs> cyborg animals, <laughs> and you go around and actually it's like a little bit like Pokemon in that you you hop in as this chip to these mm -hmm. robotic animals. And you have to catch them all. You have to catch them all, but you do so by, well, I guess it's the same as Pokemon. You you kill them, uh, and then you <laughs> inhabit their body once you... And there's all these crazy puzzles, and it's just, like, very cartoony. That does well, let's check out the music here. This yeah. is Fat Bear Mountain from Space Station Silicon Valley, composed by Stuart Ross. Not a household name for video games. Let's check it out.
This is so cool. This is just a, a B3 solo for, for the entire <laughs> tune here. This is Fat Bear Mountain from Space Station Silicon Valley. It's it's delightful. It's it's fairly authentic to jazz. Some some really good uh, you know groove elements, and you can tell this is performed you know via MIDI. Uh, and I really like that it's not really like a, a single loop. It's just this long and form solo. I like solo. all the like chromatic voices in the bump, 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 bump. That stuff kind of reminds me of like Mario or something. Do you know? Did Stuart Ross do any other games? No idea. I didn't even <laughs> realize he was the composer until I put it on this list. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I I do want to check it out now. See if, what else. This he's is good. Done. I mean, this is like. There's a lot of jazzy N64 music, but a lot of it is like insulting and just like <laughs> not authentic at all. And this is is kind of at the level of like I would say like a Pilot Wings 64, where it's like it really feels like actual jazzy music, you know. But it's like old school right. kind of jazz right. where it's just super fun and um, I guess poppy and really accessible to general audiences, you know. Well, do you want something else that's fun and accessible to audiences? We're <laughs> going to move on to a delightful piece of music. This is from The Sims. What a, what a nice uh, track to bring oh, in. I'm I love curious the Sims to hear music. your your experience with this game. When Carl, I think of this game, I, I, hopefully, I'm not just having a mental block. We've done a Sims episode. We've right? done a simulations episode. We haven't done a Sims. No, we, that, we played a we lot of Sims to do music because we said that we were going to do that right. like years ago. Right, but we played a lot of Sims simulation, like Sims music. But we also did, you know, Roller Coaster Tycoon and, and all. We the have others. to do a Sims episode. We will have to do a Sims episode. There's so much great stuff. This is by Mode One, which really sounds like 50s public domain music. This is by Jerry Martin and Mark Russo. Let's take a listen. You guys are listening to By Mode One from The Sims, composed by Jerry Martin and Mark Russo. And Charlie was telling us that The Sims is his favorite video game of all time, and he's played it for <laughs> years. Is that right? Is that that right? is incorrect. So <laughs> I I brought this one in because it was kind of like a special case. Like I've actually never played The Sims, <gasps> but <laughs> but I found this music because I was uh, making a mixtape for uh, a former girlfriend, mm-hmm. and I was like. Oh, this music is amazing. How have I for never games heard that this? she had played? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great idea. Yeah, when I think of The Sims, I think of my cousin Mary going over to our cousin's house. You know, you know, for maybe holiday parties or whatever. She loved The Sims, and I used to watch her play the game and thought it was really interesting. Never really had much of an interest to play it myself. I just thought it was cool, like you know how much how good she was at the game, really. 
I really love this chord progression and it exists in a lot of this kind of music and particularly the voice leading on the strings is really nice but it's basically two five one six and mm -hmm. what's great about that everybody knows about you know two five ones as being a common chord progression in jazz and they're always like substituted for other little chord moments but what's cool about this progression is where the one actually lands it doesn't feel like you're at home base um, because it's hmm. the third chord in the sequence and you can tell that, uh, you know, the two bar, the four bar phrase is not really completed. Mm -hmm. And so then by going to the six, that also doesn't feel like home base. And so it's this odd progression where the beginning of it feels a little bit more familiar. So it's, it's almost like it cadences to the two yeah. chord and there's something so cyclical about that. Continuous. It's, yeah. it's sort of similar. It's different a little bit, but it's similar to like the Mega Man two. The pastor theme. Sure. That uses like the little minor four moment. I mean, out of any like, like video game music that's trying to be like fifties public domain music, this nails that genre more than you anything. Know, the, the Mario galaxy series uses this progression a lot of video games. i feel like when this. you listen to this you just imagine like a businessman walking down like uh you know a black and white right. street in the well, 50s this is and the same, waving like to the his file neighbors. select theme from uh sonic 3 very similar what a great track all right now we're going to move on to ha you have played this game right fez this this oh, is yeah. an example of a game okay so we're moving on to fez and it looks like you brought in a track called progress this is of course a wonderful score by disaster piece so what's your experience with Fez? Uh, so I this is one of the few games I played like on my Mac. Um, mm. I'm not usually like a laptop or you know PC gamer mm -hmm. just because I've had a Mac all my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, Fez just stood out to me as like, wow, this looks amazing and sounds amazing once I started listening to the soundtrack. Um, I think this track, Progress, is one that people might overlook at first because it's, sure. it's got this like minimalist. It doesn't stand out as like, oh, there's a melody or something. Um, it builds though. It's yeah. so, yeah, I, I don't know. There's just like so many layers of things going on with like. Well, let's check out know. Progress from Fez composed by Disaster Piece.
You guys listening to Progress from Fez, composed by Rich Vreeland, known as Disasterpiece. There's definitely a reason why uh, this soundtrack was was so beloved and made such a splash, you know, for his career. I remember he was talking about how he was working on that movie, and they were using a lot of Fez tracks as like temp right. tracks, and they almost like wanted him to go back and like do a Fez, like sound alike, you know, uh, album. And so yeah, I mean, you can really hear that. It's it's so atmospheric and vibey. Such a great use of like old synthesizers. It's it's really wonderful. Yeah, I think it's cool how. So that in that example, them temping Fez music into a horror film, it seems kind of so ironic because aesthetically the two couldn't be more different. But you can start to understand it when you examine the music in and of itself. And what I think a lot of people admired about the Fez soundtrack is that yes, it was this kind of 2D retro-ish puzzle side-scroller game. But it had a lot more depth mm-hmm. to it than that, and the music was really taking itself seriously, you know. And I think that's what what a lot of people like about you know a composer like David Wise, where in that case, you know, the Donkey Kong Country games are this kind of goofy cartoon fun experience, but he's so playing the straight man and really doing, in some cases, like this kind of tragic, um, longing music. Yeah. And I think, yeah, Rich's score to Fez is very rich yeah i think most people would say it's it's you know kind of so far his, his masterpiece it's probably the most beloved thing he's done what is yeah. your personal favorite track if you had to pick one from fez um it is this one okay uh i mean there's yeah there's so many good ones um but this one i don't know it just gives me the chills every time i feel like i always have that one um adventure ostinato in my head oh yeah that's like always well, in my head. oh yeah and there's that one is i forgot so about good. the chopin nocturne i think that right, he does right. at the end there um yeah 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 fez has some some great stuff in it yeah there's as far as like catchy melodies there's it's very few and far between but w- when they do come up there man they're they are earworms and yeah. yeah it's just a great it's a great soundtrack to just put on the background if you have like yeah. some work to do or something yeah it's just wonderful. Well, to, I I have to like you know do a double take at this point because it looks like now we have some music that we're familiar with. What what's going on here, Charlie? Uh, well, I had to include some tracks by the Supermercado Brothers because oh, you're so kind. We're yeah, blushing. well, seriously, because uh, some of my favorite game music that I've heard lately is from you guys. Oh, that was dude, never actually kind. in games, but you know. <laughs> um, in yeah. an alternate reality, we, we hoped that they would have been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think the first one I picked is by Carl. Yeah. For um, your Kirby tribute album. Yeah. I did a tribute album called Another Day in Dreamland a few years ago that was made with SNES samples. So it was kind of a love letter to the Joni Shikawa SNES Kirby music. Yeah. This, this track, um, for some reason, just... Uh, sticks the melody just i love it (laughs) and i think it's like one of those that's like unexpected yeah and so i I think just a key to video game music is like you if you're gonna loop it over and over it has to feel unexpected almost every time i don't know that's great i think that's a really good point yeah i like that we were talking the other day about like the psychology of looped music and what like a unique responsibility that is for mm-hmm. a composer and it's one of the cool things about video game music especially retro ga- video game music because it's one thing now if you have like a six minute track that loops you don't really feel that in the same way when it's like 
a minute loop or like a 30 second loop where you sure. really have to compose something that um, is almost like doing an illusion to Yeah, it's interesting. So I, I made this track, uh, the one that Charlie was talking about today, is Prairie Land 2. And I made this as a very clear and direct homage to Ripplefield. And what's right. interesting is this was before the the Mercado band kind of formed. Right. And now we play Ripplefield. Oh, Carl, yeah, I have so to say, I haven't listened to going this track back to since this, we started playing It's Ripplefield. kind of an interesting experience. So I guess let's, let's uh, try it. Let's take a listen to Prairie Land 2 from Another Day in Dreamland. trip you guys are listening to prairie land 2 from my homage album another day in dreamland uh what a treat man to bring this in here this is this is this is crazy carl you know what's funny i, I think this would actually be much easier for you to play than <laughs> yeah ripple field yeah <laughs> i didn't go this quite as be... fast with those harmonized rhythms so the ripple field is like and this one's more like it's a little bit easier yeah the melody is really fantastic. It's really nice. Yeah, oh, Charlie thanks. was kind of calling out that point at the end of phrase. Yeah, and then you go to that augmented five chord, to the augmented yeah. five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The switching between major and minor. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, very cool. I also like how when you introduce that more chimey instrument, uh, all of the rhythms are like staccatissimo, like yes. really short. Dun, 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 dun. It, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a neat way of kind of recharacterizing the melody, I think. And that, yeah. I believe, is also something that was done effectively in Ripplefield oh, as well. Sure. So, yeah, it's interesting because this track, it's so clear that it's 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 an homage to Ripplefield. You know, the the samples are very similar. The groove is, is similar and stuff. But it, it, was, it was kind of a fun challenge to try to take those very specific kind of limitations and try to make a new piece of music with it. Um, because, like, ideally you could listen to this and not know Ripplefield at all, and hopefully you'd still enjoy it, you know, right. on its own. So that's what's been fun about doing all these uh, tribute albums. Is I, I think the the unfortunate thing is some people will listen to it and say like, oh, it sounds a lot like this, and therefore think it was easy. But it's like it's not like you start with the original track and subtract <laughs> things because also just the nature of how we have to create it, you kind of have to understand how it works on a root level, yeah, and then kind of. I don't know. It's like breaking breaking apart an airplane and then yeah, rebuilding, rebuilding an airplane. It. And maybe it's similar, but it's like, that's a really hard process. Yeah, it's. I think what that process is, is it's really hard and you have to like really do a lot of your homework. But some people would argue that it's kind of a waste of time. And maybe it is. It's like, why yeah. would you want to it's, take it's apart an airplane and build it up again? It's a compositional exercise. Yeah. And uh, it's definitely something that's really influenced the way that I approach 
composing. I and- think for us, it's been very useful, but there's definitely some people that would be like, that's a lot of work. Like, what was, <laughs> why did you guys do that? And I guess, yeah. I guess we're just nerds at the end of the day. But now you guys are set. Like if anyone ever is like, I need a retro soundtrack that's in the style. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, we got that. Got it, it. it definitely has helped me to feel like one of the things I'm confident about, if somebody asked me to do something in the style of another composer, I know I can do it because I've done it so many times that I can kind of be systematic about breaking apart sure. what aspects are specific to this track and what aspects kind of coalesce into their style. Yeah. What kind of harmonic traits do they tend to do again and again and well, again? Well, it looks That's... like we're now moving on to a Will track. Yeah. <laughs> this Uh-oh. is crazy. What did So what did you <laughs> want to play today uh, uh, that Will composed? Um, so it's the Chamomile Forest. Oh, um, thank goodness ah. it's one I like. <laughs> <laughs> From Hello World. That, yeah. That's one of those that's in my category of probably you know the why same... you like it half step yes, chord movements <laughs> exactly yeah it's that same kind of like the castle a little lower yeah yeah you know? yeah, yeah 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 you know it's funny I that was one that um I, I wasn't really thinking about too much I, I I we wanted to do kind of like a forest of illusion type of thing for yeah. Hello World it ended up coming across to me I think a little bit more like Zelda but it's actually one of the melodies I'm most proud of because I. I think it sounds a lot like Koji Kondo, but it's a side of Koji Kondo that I think people don't often think about, and it's a mm-hmm. more like emotionally rich or whatever. But yeah, I, I'm, well, I'm really proud of this. What one. a treat! Let's take a listen to Chamomile Forest Map from Hello World Adventures in Mushroom Land. daring and unique piece of music this is camille forest map this is also one of my favorites of wills from this project it's one that when i wrote it it was my freshman year of college and i would just i was i don't know it was this weird thing i would just like play it all the time on piano it, it's one that it just like fits in my hands like the the shape of all the chords and all the voice leading just really works in my fingers mm-hmm. and so i don't know and because it's so circular it, it's just one that i i still kind of enjoy playing it on the piano sometimes yeah and again getting back to what you were saying, Charlie, about looping video game music. This one has this cyclical nature that sometimes you don't know. Has it looped yet? Oh, and it's right. just, it's so continuous and it really lends itself well, well to the The funny looped. thing about this piece, like if it really had a tone center, you'd probably actually say it's in C major. Yeah. Um, but there's no C major in the entire piece. Yep. Like it starts on this like A flat major seven chord to kind of like a G major seven chord. Mm-hmm. And then it does all these, you know, chromatic modulations. And I think it eventually cadences on like an E flat major seventh chord. Sure. Um, and then goes back to that A flat. So it, it, it's very strange, but um, just kind of like the weight of the harmonies is like never actually at home, which is why it feels so wandering. Yeah. Well, uh, this is this is crazy, but it looks like Charlie brought in a one final track, uh, Marcado Bros track. What's what's the last one that you brought in here? Um, so this one's from well, composed by your brother Marty. And yeah, it only Carl, makes sense. <laughs> I think Carl, you did the uh, 
sequencing for yeah, it? Or? Yeah, yeah. This, w- this yeah. was one. Um, I handled most of the sequencing for the project. And so this one I... I did the sequencing of, but uh, there oh, was this is one of my favorites. There, there was, um, you know, a time that Marty came over and, and made a couple of adjustments and stuff. But yeah, this one was actually really hard to get to happen uh, because we just, me and Will, we just loved the, the song. Remember when we got the voice memo for Marty of this, and mm-hmm. I, I still think it will never sound better than that original piano yeah. voice memo. But um, to get this to, to come to live on the Super Nintendo is definitely a challenge. I really, I, I do genuinely think this is one of the greatest melodies that Marty ever wrote because I think it totally captures the spirit of Koji Kondo of yeah. Super Mario World. But it is not like a one note up, one note down. Yeah, exercise it's its own piece of music. On the original theme, I think it's just incredible. This is Jump On In from Hello World. So it's a it's fun reminiscing about this. That little solo that you heard at the end, that was a very late addition that Marty decided to just add. Very late. Remember I was unsure about it. I was I was like, really? I don't know if that sounds Mario World. I think to what me. he what he wanted to do is like his impression is that kind of the C section of the original Mario World yeah. felt like just like the band having fun. Sure. I remember him saying that. So kind of doing this like more noty. But I'm gl- honestly I'm glad thing. he added it because I think it adds just a little bit more fun to the track and it definitely works yeah this was one that it took a long time to come together a lot of kind of notes back and forth of oh this can be tweaked and this can be changed but finally we got it to a point where um well and i think marty was very specific about the voice leading of the chords and that they all kind of uh moved in a smooth way and i'm I'm glad he was specific about that because it's one of the best things about the track i mean what what an amazing composition i yeah i mean when we heard this i think both of us kind of put our hands up and we're like this has to be the you know the overworld Man. Yeah, I think this was one that, after listening to your album, I would get a melody in my head and think, "Wait, is that actually from Mario?" Or <laughs> I, I can't remember anymore. Right. That's such together. a great compliment. And th- this was that theme that, similar to Mario World, we would do variations on on this one. So this was the theme that you hear in the underwater. There's a right. waltz version, and of then it, I and did like this ragtime athletic mm-hmm. version of it. <laughs> so that that was so fun. Well. What what a what a wonderful playlist you brought in here today, Charlie. This was so fun to kind of reminisce about this stuff. It looks like what you guys are going to hear playing out. This is a this is a fun treat. This is actually uh, one of your own compositions, Charlie. It sounds like this is from a game. Is it Atmocopter? Yep, Atmocopter. So by, tell us about it. So I've been working with uh, a longtime friend, uh, Will Tice of Untied Games. Okay, and he is a huge fan of the. 2D retro pixel art style. Right. Um, so he's creating this game, and it just got greenlit on Steam. That's and great. He's yeah. So you you play as this cute little helicopter yeah. robot guy, and you. 
pick up blocks and do puzzles. That's and... cool. I played a demo of this game two years ago oh. at Gamers Rhapsody. Yeah. I remember thinking like, oh, this looks like it'll be really fun. And so it was so cool when you sent us this playlist. Like, I had no idea you were doing the score Me for neither. this game. Yeah. That's just so <laughs> awesome. Well, two years ago, I wrote like 30 seconds of music. And then <laughs> I've written one track since. But now it's, <laughs> now it's finally to the point where he's like, yeah, we need music now. So Great. Well, it looks like this is uh, some sort of funky hub world theme. Yeah. So this one's new. Never before heard, actually. Ooh, oh, my world gosh. Premiere. Uh, so, yeah. so if we have your permission to play the whole thing on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. I think we should do well, that. Well, yeah, this is the play out, is the play out track. Sure. Uh, it looks like it's, is it called Atmocopter D, or what's the, what's the official? Uh, those are my, I don't know if it has an official name yet. I'll figure out something for the the uh, um, soundtrack album. For now, let's let's all come up with a name for this for now. What should, what should we <laughs> title this for, for playing out today? I don't know. What about... Well, I can tell you where the inspiration for the rhythm came from. Okay. It's from Bernard Purdy, the jazz drummer. Funkiest drummer ever. You could make a pun, like uh, a Purdy cool... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> what about, yeah, there we go. How about Purdy Copter? Purdy Copter. I love it. We'll yeah. go with that. Uh, this is a composed I feel by Charlie. <laughs> I feel purdy. Oh, so oh, purdy. So purdy. <laughs> <laughs> now that's got to be the title, right? All right. In parentheses. So, so in thank parentheses. you so thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And thanks uh, once again for Charlie for coming in. Thank you, guys. This. This yeah, Charlie, really where fun. can our listeners find out more of your music? Because if, if those of you are unfamiliar, Charlie is an excellent composer, and he's very versatile. Um, I've actually listened to quite a lot of your film music, stuff that you've done for independent films. And I listened, you did this album, wasn't it with like your cousin um collaborating with like vocals and production so much really cool stuff and that's why it's so cool because we all met talking about video game music but then you know it was just like so fun getting to know that you were also really into film music and you did this whole film score fest yeah so i think it's it's time for some plugs so yeah so where can we find you so yeah my website is charliemccarron.com m-c-c-a-r-r-o-n um yeah you can find me with that my name is my twitter handle um yeah say hi shoot me an email and i have all my albums on bandcamp for like most of them are free to download so that's yeah. the way to do it that's definitely awesome definitely check that out and we eagerly await uh the rest of this soundtrack it's so cool that you're gonna finally start getting back into it yeah. all right guys so you can always follow us on twitter at marcado bros can like us on facebook youtube and thanks so much for everyone for leaving nice itunes reviews you can subscribe to us there also big thank you to our patrons we have some exclusive patreon episodes coming very soon this season mm, quite a yeah. few of those yeah and if, if yeah, and to those of you who listen to the sibling podcast underscore uh, that I co-host with our brother Marty, who we've been talking a lot about mm-hmm. on this episode, we actually just started a Patreon for underscore as well. So if you'd be at all inclined, we would much appreciate that. Yeah, and in addition, in addition to checking out underscore, you also got to check out the other, the third Mark Otto Brother Network podcast, Heroes 3, which is a very fun uh, laid-back change of pace. That's just a, a podcast where Marty, Matthew, and Carlos just chat and gab about kung fu movies. So what a fun time. I'm a yeah. huge fan of kung fu You're movies. You're going to so. be hopefully on an upcoming yes, episode, right? Yeah, that, that should be a lot of fun. Well, guys, I think that pretty much does it for us. Thanks so much for, for listening. We're going to play you out with... I feel purdy. My name is Carl <laughs> Brueggemann. <laughs> I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. And I'm Charlie McCarran. Thanks for having me on, guys. Peace out. Peace out.